0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cricketeers, your favorite place to talk about the beautiful game of cricket. Today, Adam and myself are joined by two very special guests, Bharat Sundaresan with Crick Buzz, based in Australia, and Jatin Narula, who is a freelance broadcast journalist based in India. Hi guys, welcome to The Cricketeers.
1: Thanks for joining us, Hello. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, you are. I was I was worried that your eventful week had a, turned into a long, deep sleep.
2: So I did take a, my first afternoon nap in months this after uh, this today, and I also slept for more than an hour last night. So look, how fresh do I look? My eyes are all wide open. Uh, <laughs> my skin is flowing.
0: Your hair is flowing. Oh, that's
2: thank you. Yeah, it was hair wash day yesterday, so it's
3: not hundred <laughs> percent, but it's there. It's there. It's there. <laughs> sorry he's doing too so he had to wash his hair but yeah I also had a night's sleep uh, you know been waking up at 3am and I'm taking a shower at 4am in blistering cold so yeah it feels nice to just stay in and stay warm for a change
0: so this is actually a really important thing to talk about. We're not always in the time zone of the cricket that we are covering and somebody back in India or, or wherever the away team are from has to do the hard job of waking up at 3 AM, feeling awake, seeming awake. So anytime a broadcaster misspeaks and you know, that it's 4 AM in their like home time zone, have a little bit of empathy, please. Right, Chetan?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's 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 really tough to focus. I think uh, more than anything else, because you you have a very weird sleep cycle. You um, you you're sleeping once you're back from the studio, then you're waking up at night, then sleeping again, trying to catch that extra half an hour. But then at the same time, you have to be totally focused on you know every ball because you're broadcasting and you can't really miss any particular incident because let's say Steve Smith is scratching somebody's crease and you miss it and you don't talk about it. (laughs) And Oh, how could you not uh, criticize Steve Smith on the show? So it's, uh, but again, look, we are very grateful. Uh, It's been a tough year. Grateful to have uh, some work and uh, grateful to do what we're loving, you know, what we love to do actually.
0: That's a good perspective. And it, it I've been thinking recently about just how much cricket is important during these COVID times. I think if you have a look at Twitter, it's helping a lot of people get through what is a very stressful year for most of us. Um, I, I know that even in my own family, look, England is an absolute mess. People are really suffering. And something that makes my dad feel a modicum of control is watching Australia lose a test match or, or what he thought was going to happen, which was Australia lose test match. People get a lot of joy from this. But at the same time, and it's something that we'll talk about a little bit more um, over the course of this episode, we watch players come down with injury after injury. Um, it was a massive factor in this series for India. But how much do you guys think that this COVID situation is responsible for some of these injuries?
2: Well, I'll, I'll just tell you this much, as much joy as cricket and sport is bringing to people, the general public, and people like you and me, at times I do feel for the players, it's like, at times you do wonder, is sport that important? You just look at the England team, they go all the way to South Africa, they don't know whether they're going to play or not, every morning they wake up training. And preparing to play, and then see, and they come home and they go to Sri Lanka. One of their players goes down with the virus. Uh, it's a little all over the place, and it's been similar for the Indian team as well. Uh, and because Australia is a country like New Zealand, where they just come down so hard so quickly as soon as they think that something might go out of control, uh, it's been tough for the Indians because one day they're told you can leave the hotel, the other day they're like, you can't leave your hotel room. Uh, and the, the next day they're, they're like, oh, the test match is in Sydney or it's in Brisbane. So it is it is difficult, and I'm not surprised that there are injuries happening. And I think we should just go back to what Jofra Archer said. There are only so many bubbles that you can be a part of. So yeah. it is tough. It, yes, I mean, and the laziest argument is, oh, they get paid so much money. So what? Like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't make up for what they have to go through.
0: I think that's a really good point, the money factor. Um you know, we're watching people who are genuine emergency workers. And one of the arguments that people are, are making is that they don't even get paid enough to deal with this stuff. So when you see professional athletes getting to hang out at a beach, you know, in Durban, potentially since, since there are lockdowns everywhere, but hang out in a beach at Durban, get paid what you perceive to be millions of dollars. Although I think all of us can promise you that cricket is not as lucrative a sport as, as some people think it is. You... You can understand a sense of um, of just this tension that people have where they think that you're so lucky to be doing something that I would love to do, surely you should have to play. However, I think another important issue is raised, and, and I definitely want you guys' opinions on that, but the question of abuse. Just because we buy a ticket, just because we sit in the stands, just because we perceive ourselves to pay the wage of a player – does that really mean we can do whatever without any measure of, of the players' health and safety, of the good of the game, of societal norms, anything like that? We're throwing everything out the window, it seems. On the question of abuse, let's leave any racialized elements out of it for one moment. You were there, Bharat. What was the mood like?
2: No, I, and like you said, uh, Taseem, I, I have never understood why you would pay money to buy a ticket to go watch someone you admire or you look up to, or even you just are paying that money to watch a sports person do what he or she does best and then feel it's okay to abuse them. My, my mind just cannot connect the dots there. And like you said, it doesn't need to be racial abuse, any kind of abuse, whether it's Mitchell Johnson being abused by the English fans or if yeah. it's the English cricketers being abused by the Australians or any kind of abuse, there is no place for it. I mean, it's not, it's easy to say, oh, mate, like, you know, you pay, like I said, goes back to the whole thing. You said, oh, your job is to play regardless of what happens, what gets said to you. That's not how it counts. Like we saw Enzuma take things into his own hand. Uh, and I really believe if that happened a lot more, this nonsense would end. I, like, if I was a security guard in some of these instances, I would just be like, e, take this bat, take my bat and go. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> Like the, the the comment that came from the Indian team uh, about them being animals in a zoo was different. It was about how, why they have to be in a lockdown while fans can come and watch them. But in a way, in just normal circumstances as well, at times they are treated like animals in the zoo where you can just throw whatever at them, they can say whatever at them and they're just supposed to like shut up and play. Why? Because that's your job. I, it doesn't make sense and... Uh, someone needs to be made an example of, and that's the big difference between it happening in India uh, or in the subcontinent and it happening in Australia. Here, the worst that can happen to you is, oh man, he can't go to any sporting venue for four, uh, four years. In India, first you would be dragged and like, you know, the police would haatsaf uh, kareenge, translate it for you <laughs> and them as like, you know, they would uh, slap you a couple of times and then ask you what you did. I'm not saying that is cool or that should happen. But Mm. an example needs to be made of these people so that the others aren't encouraged to come and do it.
0: Chetan, obviously you were in India um, and you were broadcasting there when everything was going down. What was the sentiment and feeling around some of the controversies during this test match, particularly the racialized abuse?
3: Well, disappointing, first of all, because you look at some of these players, look at Mohamed Siraj, he couldn't attend his father's funeral and uh, he's been in in a bio bubble for how many months now? And to to just say that, you know, uh, he was abused or racially abused, it's just not good to hear. And, you know, there there are a couple of factors here. The Indian team has literally saved Cricket Australia financially. Uh, they were on the brink of bankruptcy, if I can say so, and 300 million dollars is what they are earning from this series. Some of it comes on with, uh, and I'm not just talking about the racial abuse. You look at the look at the controversy when the, those three or four Indian cricketers went out for for a bite in Melbourne. Whatever the reasons, yes, they probably shouldn't have you know sat inside. Um, they probably should have sat outside as as were the norms. But you know sometimes these lines can be a little blurry. Uh, because you look at the fact that, you know, there are fans all around and uh, they maybe just needed some privacy. I'm not defending them, but some of the comments on Twitter that, you know, why are you in this country? You're bringing the disease in this country. And I'm like, you know what? They're they're saving, you know, I beg your pardon for saying this, but they're literally saving Cricket Australia's ass this summer by bringing in $300 million. Show a bit of respect. These cricketers, Yes, they earn a lot of money, probably more money than any other cricketers going around. But they're sacrificing a lot by being there, by being in the bubbles, by playing. For you, you can't just abuse them, whether it's on Twitter or at the ground. And of course, any sort of abuse is not acceptable. But I also want to talk about, you know, not just in Australia and New Zealand, but also the fact that, you know, I think abuse is a bit of a... Norm in our societies, that's namely whether it's yeah. India or Pakistan. A lot of the fans go to the grounds and they feel okay. You know what? We've paid money for this. Uh, you know, we we just you know we are owed some sort of um, fun or excitement. You remember Dhoni playing at Lords and everybody criticising oh how slowly he's batting, how slowly he's batting. What about yeah. the entertainment of the crowd? we were booing him. There's a sense of entitlement that comes in when you're buying a ticket to a to 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 a to a sporting <laughs> a sporting event really and this is also something that comes up in football that football is about entertainment and not winning trophies. no it's not any sport is not about entertainment you're buying you're buying the tickets yes you're going there to witnesses, but that doesn't entitle you to some sort of entertainment or they should do what you want them to do if that's yeah. what you want go to the circus. Because these are athletes, these are professional athletes. The first factor for them is winning uh, or not losing in a desperate manner. So a lot of factors in there. And uh, yeah, like I said, it was very disappointing. We didn't we didn't really talk too much about it because the producer didn't want us to talk too much about it. But yeah, it was really disappointing to see, especially in Siraj's case. Um, I think you might-
2: if I could just jump in there. Yeah, I mean, I was on commentary, like doing uh, radio commentary for SCN when... Uh, I took it upon myself to start talking about what racism is and what it is like to be at the receiving end. And it all started with just on day four, the day after the, the whole abuse had happened, uh, the alleged abuse or alleged racial abuse. Uh, I remember Mohammed Siraj just going back to that same position where the allegation was laid uh, by him. And I just started talking about oh, it's good to see. And this is before the second incident happened. I just started talking about oh, it's good to see him go back there. It, says, it shows a lot of courage. Uh, and my co-commentator wanted some update on whether the investigation had, like you know, reached any any at uh, the next level. Uh, I said I don't know much about that. But then I just like, I don't know where it came from. I just broke into a monologue about being at the receiving end of um, racist comments or racist slurs, not just in Australia, but. Anywhere in the Western world or, uh, and it, it, you know, it, it is, it's something that doesn't leave you. And I am someone, I'm a very thick-skinned person, as you guys know. I don't get affected by too much. But, uh, but just because I'm okay with it does not mean everybody should be okay with it. And that's something I've learned in the last one year where you shouldn't normalize it. Like what Siraj did is something that we should all learn from. And today Nathan Lyon has spoken about it as well, uh, whether it's racist abuse or just abuse where you need to call them out, you need to step up and just say, look, this is not done. Like, I'm not going to play if you're going to com- continue abusing me. Similarly, if it's in your workspace or even when you're walking on the street, if someone does that, you're not, you not—you cannot just ignore it and walk away. You have to say, no, this is not done. And that's something we can learn from how Siraj and the Indian team have handled, by, handled the whole thing. And I, I was told that the younger players, had been informed, if they hear something that they don't like, just come in. Uh, approach the senior players, inform them and we'll, ma- we'll take a stand. So it's good that something has happened. It's not good that it needed like a uh, test match to be stopped for 10 minutes, but it's happened and uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a sign. It's a, it's a, it's a springboard for change is all you can hope for.
0: It's a lot of conversations that people have been having over the last couple of years, um, you know, with some of the BLM movement, with some of the changes in cricket. It's just opening up and starting to talk about stuff. Chetan mentioned a point about, um, I've actually completely blanked on the point that he mentioned, but I'll I'll bring up the concept of, ah, okay. So Chetan mentioned a lot of Twitter commentary, criticism, uh, particularly coming from Aussies, About Indians, you know, coming to Australia and bringing coronavirus. Okay, Um, obviously we all live and work with other, you know, Kiwis and and Aussies, and we know that this is not necessarily representative of everybody. However, a lot of these conversations are interesting because there's an automatic response from the people that you're going to get it from of why are you guys here? I read an article about a woman who was struggling to get her her partner over to New Zealand um, because he didn't have the right kind of visa and coronavirus and all of this. And her major sticking point was, how come the West Indies team and the Pakistan team are treated like this? How come they're exempt from this and my husband isn't? Now, she made it as if the special circumstances existed for Pakistan, the players, and, and for West Indies. And and Chetan made a really valid point. That's not true. Those special circumstances exist for Cricket Australia, or in in my my case, for New Zealand cricket. Those special circumstances exist so that the livelihood and jobs and, and everything of people working with the CA or with New Zealand cricket are not put at risk. These countries are... Coming at personal risk to themselves and their families and all of that. They are, yes, being paid for it, but still taking an abundant risk. And they're bringing us cricket in Australia, in New Zealand. Instead of having a sense of um, appreciation, For those circumstances, the people who are having those negative reactions go straight to them. So it's really disappointing to see, but it does tell us a lot about the divisive world that we live in. It's not just race. It's not just politics. It's not just gender. It's pretty much everything. We are so polarized in our values. And it probably is a little bit of a of a crux time for us as a society where some of us are saying, you know, these are very much our values and other people are fighting against them. And and cricket's got to be part of that. The thing that cricket is best at, and I don't know what you guys' opinion is on this, but, but maybe or hopefully you agree, is showing you a little bit about the world. It's a tool, and you get to use it at, in accordance with the way that you want to use it in the world that you live in. Now, whether that's traveling to a lot of places, meeting people from different cultures, getting to learn about each other, the world that we live in and work in, and, and how we all do it together, that's one aspect. Or if you want to sit on a boundary and call Joffrey Archer names, and then, you know, use the excuse that I was drunk. That's another way that you can use it. Um, Adam, obviously you were around in New Zealand when we had similar incidents that were not treated anywhere near as seriously as um, the incident in front of us is being treated. And that, and that was Jafra in New Zealand. What was that like as a Black Caps fan?
1: I think it's always disappointing when you see fans acting like that at cricket games. And, it, and not only for the cricket fraternity, it gives us a bad name. But as New Zealanders as well, we don't want players coming into this country and feeling like they're having their safety compromised. Um, And and racism's not on it. And I felt that New Zealand cricket didn't handle that correctly. I think that that person should have got a life ban. And I think this is where we need to crack down on racism at matches. I think we've got to be more vigilant about it and we've got to make punishments harsher. I think from memory, the person got... I think, a, a two-year ban, I think, from memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think they've got to be tougher now. Um, also, you know, criminal charges for that kind of behaviour at cricket grounds now, for me. You know, we, we've got to have a zero tolerance on, on this kind of behaviour.
0: It is strange to me that apparently if you do it in a cricket ground, it is different to doing it anywhere else in society and suddenly you're not liable for prosecution. Um, so, look, let's let's... Move on a little bit from the racism stuff and talk about what we saw happening in Sydney as a as a response in terms of abuse. What do you guys think about the question of sledging? Is it still necessary for the game? Is it still a part of the game that we should be a proud proud of? Do you think that it leads to other things?
3: Yeah, oh, Bhangu, anyone? Go first.
0: <laughs> all right, uh, let that uh, right. go
3: first. There,
2: right? I I'll tell you what. I think that whole thing between Tim Payne and R. Ashwin was blown a little too much out of proportion. I mean, look, I've lived in Australia for a while, I've traveled here before. Calling someone a dickhead, and I'll be honest, it's it's not it's not a national shame to be honest. And I think what has also happened, and I blame this on this whole exposure of the stump cam. I think some broadcasters think it's a great idea. And what I as a journalist of many years now I get disappointed with is that's become a form of journalism like where people just sit and like listen to the stump cam and they transcribe the whole conversation and it's supposed to be fun and put it on twitter and it becomes like a news piece and i i mean personally i find it disappointing I, i'll just tell you this much these are adults they are out there playing a sport and you know when ashwin calls tim payne oh sorry tim payne calls ashwin a dickhead you sitting on the couch, listening to it on the Stump Cam might think, oh man, this means they hate each other. Oh, they're mm-hmm. going to ask, this is horrible. They can't be calling each other names. But then the fact is, at the end of the day's play, Tim Payne runs up to Ashwin, pats him on the back. They laugh about it. He, he makes a joke on himself. And he says that, yeah. look, I was the one doing the talking, but I was the one dropping the catches, the jokes on me. But that's where it ends. Oh, look, if, when it comes to personal abuse, like we've seen with Glenn McGrath and Ramadish Sarwan, things like that, it's best not to happen. But these are athletes high on adrenaline trying to win a sport for their, or trying to win a game for their country. And in the heat of the moment, everybody can have a bad day at the office. I mean, imagine if we were all, like, you know, in our workspace, if there was a camera and a, uh, and a microphone somewhere. I mean, I'm like, Chetan will tell you, uh, if it's there somewhere near
0: me, <laughs> I'll I lose
3: my job the next
2: I'm day. I'm saying
0: something. <laughs> I'm saying something inappropriate that I had no idea people could hear me saying. Exactly. I think it's just
2: like a bit, a, this whole stump cam nonsense. And that's one thing I personally don't like to listen to the stump cam because it doesn't add anything to my my coverage, really. Like, it's two people out there saying whatever to each other. Really, honestly, how does like some Gupta or some Smith sitting uh, at home watching it on TV, how does it affect their lives? Uh, that's my
1: maybe slightly contrarian stance. And, and, if, and if the abuse is bad, then the ICC referee can do something about it. The umpires can make a you know, a a larger, you know, formal complaint and that can be done outside of the match? Do do, do we, as fans, actually need to know about this stuff? Not
3: really.
1: I totally am
0: with you. Chetan, what do you think?
3: Uh, I think I agree with uh, Bharat there and with Adam as well that the ICC can look into it if it's just getting a little out of hand. But I think both Payne and Ashwin handled it really well. I mean, if anybody can handle that sort of uh, sledging from Australia, I mean, Ashwin can really. He was like, okay, you know what? Come to India, we'll end your career. Basically, that's, <laughs> that's the thread. And knowing Ashwin he would follow it up. And it was actually right. You know, Tim Payne going to him and saying, okay, you know what? The joke is on me. The joke is on him. Ashwin has more yeah. test hundreds than you do. Um, and he's just saved a test match for his country. But again, it was like Bharat said, it was in the heat of the moment. And you know, what it does is it just adds to the way cricket is watched and perceived now, you know, making it a bit more competitive because you look at you look at the initial part of this series, you you forget what's happened in Melbourne, you forget what's happening in Sydney or, you know, the question mark of the Brisbane Test. This series has been really friendly. So it's like almost everybody's looking for something to go wrong so that, you know, there's, there's a bit of an enmity coming onto the field and, you know, both of these teams are at the, at their throats well, they've got it. They've got it. They've got it in Melbourne. They've got it in Sydney. They're probably going to get it in Brisbane as well. But I think they were really clutching at straws to find an element of enmity, enmity between the two sides. And um, I think uh, the Indian team did well enough to, you know, just counter it the way they have been. I think that's that's been a praise point for uh, this Indian team, especially under Ravi Shastri, that they become really hardened in the manner they approach everything, every situation. It's not a debate on which is the best test team India has ever produced. I think this is the, you know, the most hardened uh, test team that India has ever produced. They go in every situation, any and every situation, and they play it as if, you know, nothing else matters. And they don't want to take any criticism on board. They just want to give their best. We've seen that in the previous overseas cycle. And I think this is something, uh, something good to see in uh, cycle as well. The other thing that really irked me about this test match was the Steve Smith incident that he went to the crease and he was scratching around. I was around. about that's to just, ask
0: you about that. Yeah,
3: that's, that's just Steve Smith being Steve Smith and somebody like virendra Sehwag, all due respect, he's played cricket and everything. Yeah, sure. Uh, you, you're just making a mountain out of a molehill. It was a drinks break or it was some over break. I'm not sure. Uh, he just went there. He was just being quirky the way he is. And it's just a marking on the crease. They are rubbed off all the time. Batsmen rub off their markings by themselves. It's not that big a deal. Rishabh came in, marked himself, and just went on about his game. So it's becoming a mountain of a molehill, really. And like I said, everybody was clutching at straws to you know find that element of enmity in the series. And they perhaps have got it now.
1: I mean, you think so you it's... Think- Oh, sorry. You think if yeah. um, Steve Smith really wanted to give Australia a bit of an advantage, you know, he would have walked in the footmarks or something to try to give Nathan Lyon a bit more assistance. I mean, but, but <laughs> get a I think
3: it'll be Steve Smith to do that. I, I, I don't think if there's going to be an Australian cricketer, who's going to do these unfair things, it's going to be Steve Smith anymore, considering what's happened. It's probably <laughs> somebody else. Maybe Manus it, tried it, something <laughs> like that. So, uh, but again, like I said, it's, it's a mountain of a molehill for me, really. It's, it's just, it's just something that's gone just too much over the top. And, what social media is for right that's what twitter is for just you just go there you say whatever you want and there is uh, nobody holds you responsible for what you're saying unless you're Donald Trump
0: do we think that an element of this is the social media effect on broadcasting? Because broadcasting's changed in the last ten years or so as well, five to ten years. Um, I, I don't know if it's our need for mirch and masala, or if sometimes there's a little drop of it there, so we just embellish the rest. I think after the the racism incident. And obviously, like the stoppage of play, it becomes a question of people looking for things, like you said, looking for some enmity, looking for some things to go wrong. Obviously, um, Australia have a reputation, not just as one of the strongest um, sides that have ever played cricket, but they have a reputation for a a variety of things that are probably a little bit less um, illustrious than that. Sandpaper Gate was only a few years ago. And there's a lot of fans out there who either haven't forgotten or forgiven or have some idea that this is one of the hallmarks of the Australian side, that this is who they are. This is their true culture. And and I want to talk a little bit about that because we can, it's really easy for us to say, hey, don't like, don't be racist to, to Jaffra Archer or like don't say things to, to Siraj on the Boundary or whatever the case might be. But sometimes you have to look a little bit deeper. And if you're going to sit there and say, well, what do you expect? All Aussies are the same. It's in their DNA. These are tweets that I've read. These are genuine tweets. I will read the same person tweet about how you can't generalize, how you can't be racist. And then the next tweet will be, it's in Aussie convict DNA. That's a disgusting thing. It's exactly. weirdly genic yeah. as well, but yeah. it's just disgusting. Go ahead. See, I think, I think, see, the
2: thing also is Australians have reacted more uh, over this incident, the Steve Smith thing and the 10-pane sledding that Indians have on this occasion. And I think it has a lot to do. You're so right, this team is about. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is nothing called... Like, the uh, Australians are not Chiefs. The sandpaper gate thing was an administrative fault. Like, Swaf Duplassi was caught like rubbing his ball against the uh, zipper on the pants. What did he get? One one, one match. match. So yep. if... Go back to Cape Town... And if they'd just sent the fielding coach or the bowling coach that day to say that, oh, you know what? We're investigating into the matter. Okay, fine. Cameron Bancroft was caught with his hand in his pants. But still, if they'd just sent the bowling coach or the fielding coach, which was what every other team would have done, this wouldn't have become like such a major national shame kind of thing. And it's happening all over again. And it's more to do with Australians. Uh, Australian society is changing as well as what I've realized that yeah. they said these extremely lofty, unattainable standards for their celebrities, for their players. And when you have a documentary made about how, look, we have changed, there is this new culture, you're just setting yourself up to fail. That's like, The only way is a way down from there, right? And yeah. uh, a captain calling someone else a dickhead, he just picked the, like uh, Chetan said, he just picked the wrong guy in the Indian team to say that. He could have gotten away with it if he had said it to Vihari or Pujara, they would have just ignored it. But like this whole thing of his team, like yesterday I was on some TV show, the first two questions to me were like, is Steve Smith the cheat? I'm like, uh, no, he's not. Should Team Payne remain captain? And this is an Australian show. Some yeah, current the project.
0: I watched it.
2: Yeah. Like, so this is, this is, this is the way Australians deal with this whole thing. I don't think it, it comes more from within where um, it, it, they just create a big issue about every little thing Then, and it's more a cricket thing. Yeah. Like you guys know when an NRL guy or an AFL guy, they, some of the things they are guilty of this. <laughs> We wow. can't even it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Wow. It, it, I got it, it, introduced to that stuff when I moved to this part of the world and I was like, How is this happening? And do people not know about this?
2: Yeah, and, and then two years later the guy comes back and it's like a big celebration of like, Oh my god, he's coming back, it's great for the sport. And you're like, Really?
0: It is? Did he raise someone? It, it, there's there's an NRL player who went no to problem. New York and kidnapped a German family. Like committed kidnapping. And it's it's wild, Chetan. I will send you some links, okay? And I was just like, what is this stuff to Adam? Like, why do we care about, I don't know, Alex Hales, like maybe kind of sort of doing some drugs or <laughs> what is this? You know, and, and Adam legitimately calls it the National Rehabilitation League. And you're right, cricket, cricket has a slightly different history. Um, it's really true in England, probably in Australia as well. It's maybe a little bit tied to some class ideologies. It's probably tied to politics governance history in, in a different way so we think of it as a representation particularly in england and australia of some of our best ideas some of our best representatives some of our highest national honors so so like it it just brings this absolutely lofty idealism to it and some of it should be attempted you know we should try and hold ourselves to some lofty ideals but like you said when the only way to go is You're down yeah,
3: I have a problem with that. The thing is, uh, you just take the example of the Tim Payne, Ashwin thing again. Tim Payne said, you know, at least my teammates like me dickhead. That, that's what he said, right? <laughs> if Ashwin had called Tim Payne a dickhead, what then? If Ashwin had called Tim Payne a dickhead, what then? My problem with the Australian team is, yeah, you, you want to sledge, you sledge, you you want to play hard, you play hard. My problem with the Australian team is, they set the rules themselves, yeah. And then they are the judge and the executioner. They'll say, okay, you know what? Tim Payne saying Ashwin or Tim Payne calling Ashwin a dickhead is just playing uh, fair, playing hard. No, but they're not doing no, that. Sure. They. But that, that they're Sorry. not doing
2: that though, Chetan.
3: And I'm not saying this purely because my visa application is still I'm at not I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking about this series. I'm talking about in general. I'm not talking about this series. I'm talking about in general because we've we heard this line so many times that the Australians play tough and they play hard, but they play fair. The problem with this playing fair is they themselves decide what is playing hard and playing fair. Because if the opposition starts abusing them and sledging them, sledging them then say, oh, okay, you know what? This is not done. So my problem with the whole situation is only this, this lofty idealism that they hold themselves accountable to. Who asked you to do it? Who asked you to do it? Just play, play by the rules. Just just let you know the match referees and the ICC decide what is playing hard and fair and not yourself. Even today, Justin Langer is coming out and saying, okay, you know what, Tim Payne apologized, so it's all very fine. It's fine. It's not that big a deal. But my, again, my, my, my problem with that is, who's asking you to define it yourself? That, that's my one whole problem things, with the situation.
0: I, I actually tend to agree with you because one of the things in the quotation from Justin Langer was, was I have a lot of faith in Tim Payne. Now, the question is relevant whether or not you have faith in Tim Payne. I would presume you to have faith in Tim Payne. You're his coach, his confidant, his everything. But the question of whether or not he did some, either he did something wrong or he didn't, whether or not he's a nice guy and he's great with his kids or he loves his dog or, or, you know, he's really nice to the juniors and the side are all kind of irrelevant to the question. So it is good PR. And one of the things about the whole elite cricket, elite honesty, elite mateship bullshit that we have, heard, what, two and a half, three years ago or so, is that it was it was PR, and it was really so obvious that they just hired a PR firm to come up with some cool taglines that I don't know how many of us actually ever took it seriously. That doesn't mean that we have to, like, shoot Australians in the foot every time, you know, they, they call someone a dickhead. If I got called out every time I called someone a dickhead, I would never be allowed to open my mouth anymore because <laughs> I'm from Essex, so the word dickhead is like in Australia, a common term of endearment, and it actually means that you kind of like someone. So that's fine, but but I agree with you. Who gets to decide? And if I sit there and say, nay, 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 nay. in my language, in my vernacular, in, in my culture, I can use this word and it's totally okay, then how are you going to respond to that and say, well, actually, is that your vernacular? Does that mean that it's acceptable? We're playing a global game here. So maybe I shouldn't be speaking what is Acceptable where I come from, but it's actually also acceptable for all of us to be speaking or to listening, uh, listening to, or whatever the case might be. I think you're absolutely right when when one side is deciding what's right or not, and the other side automatically becomes uh, the whiners, the crybabies, the visitors that want to throw like the toys out of the pram. Some of the coverage with the India series has frustrated me, so I've heard everything about the GABA. Um, Or the question mark that was hanging over the GABA to be, oh, it's because India don't want to lose. Oh, it's because the BCCI want to control where they play cricket, this, that, and the other. So, you know, on one hand, I'm Pakistani, so nobody is going to be more critical of the BCCI than I am, right? On one hand, we say it's the most powerful entity in cricket. And then in the same sentence, we say they don't have the power to decide where they play matches, Uh, And they're only trying to manipulate this post-fact. Did we not all know that the Gabba is an absolute fortress for Australia long before this match came up? If teams have the power that we suggest them to have, then they would be making those mandates from the get-go. As soon as you get your tour schedule, you say, no thanks dude, I don't want to play at the Gabba, I don't want to take another absolutely massive loss and be shamed in front of everybody. So it's this this inequality with which we deal with all these sides. It's fair enough to justify the disparities of power that do exist in cricket, because they very much do. But it's another thing to pick and choose where they get applied.
2: Um, I'll answer the rest of my questions with this Australian flag next to me, just in case the visa authorities
1: are listening.
2: Yeah, but I, I just have to say, in defense of Tim Payne, he did come out the next day and he man, he was man enough to say that you know it was an unscheduled press conference. Okay, I'll put this down. Uh, but it was an unscheduled <laughs> press conference, and he said that I want to come up and apologize. He wrote and read an apology note, and he answered all sorts of questions. I remember I asked him about like because I have this whole thing against Trump camps. I said, like, you know, do you think the Stump Cam takes away from cricket? And he actually honestly said, but was it the Stump Cam that took away from the good cricket or was it my behaviour? I think it was my behaviour. So I think, yes, I mean, in the past, Australia have, I've, I've also been part of tours where they've drawn the line and they've decided. But this is definitely having covered Australian cricket for the last two years they have definitely changed. They have become more open. They're not the same Australians. And you know what? A lot of this India don't want to play at the Gabba thing has come from India, not so much from Australia. Yeah, there's a small section of, but look, what happens on Twitter stays on Twitter. I don't really read yeah. too much of what happened because it's, uh, there is no accountability there. But there are so many former India cricketers who have come out and said, oh, no, no, no. Uh, like you know, India don't want to play in GABA and Chetan Nala is so used to being on Indian television that he has his finger up. I can see.
3: So, <laughs> <laughs> no, because um, I mean, I didn't want to interrupt, but my point here is, um, forget whether India want to play want to play at GABA or not. Um, uh, like like Tasneem said that you know what before the tour starts, that's when you decide where you or that's where you discuss, not decide where you want to play and don't want to play. And knowing this Indian team, how Ravi Shastri is running the setup and everything, they would want to play at the Gaba because they have the bowling attack. Maybe not anymore, but at least they had the bowling attack to take on the Australians on that Gaba pitch. However, having said that, I think this whole Gaba mess, and I'm just talking about the Gaba mess, the whole Gaba mess, the Brisbane mess, is the fault of cricket Australia. Cricket Australia Ooh. is at fault here because I remember. No, 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 no. Because Cricket Australia is totally at fault here. And I was going to tweet this uh, a little while back. I just haven't tweeted it. I will tweet it. Um, since August, when this tour itinerary was being formed, the Queensland government has had issues with the Indian tour. They had, they've, they've had hard borders. They don't want the Indians there, they don't want any sort of travelers there. They don't want the cricket there. That's why they shifted the ODIs and the T20s to Canberra and Sydney at the last moment. My problem here is, what is Cricket Australia doing? You look at what ECB have done. They want their summer. They picked two venues, irrespective of the pitches getting slow or whatever.
0: Yeah. They picked
3: two venues. Forget the hotels and everything. That's not a problem because I mean none of the none of the stadiums in. Australia have hotels barring Adelaide. So that's not a problem. My problem is the hard borders. My problem is crossing those borders. You're in the middle of a pandemic. You want your entire summer. Why do you want to play at five venues? Play the ODS T20s in Sydney, go to Adelaide, play two test matches, play in Melbourne, play in Sydney, end of tour. Why do you want to go to a stadium or to a a state which has had problems from day one? The only person or the only people at fault here are Cricket Australia. And that's, nobody's going to change my opinion that Cricket Australia are to blame for this Brisbane mess, and it's going to get messier.
2: Okay, I have a confession and I'll again have to answer with my Australian flag. <laughs> but, uh you, you just think back to who broke that first story about, oh, India don't want to go to Brisbane. Uh And think back to who at that point was in Melbourne thinking, shit, if I go to Sydney, I can't go to Brisbane. I can't go to Adelaide. Just saying, just, just put two and two together. So there was one, <laughs> one person in particular, I wonder who, who was like leading this charge from the outside. Again, of course the Indian team had their reservation, but there was one guy really banging the door down. And uh, unfortunately, his uh, efforts have failed. He's stuck in Sydney right now talking to you on this podcast and the Indian team has gone to Brisbane, but I, I think, um, Chetan might have a point, but I don't. I wouldn't like squarely blame cricket Australia. England is a very different country to Australia. State borders, the state governments have a lot more pull than the federal government. And it's not just with this cricket series; we're seeing that more and more and more in other aspects. It's like the states are breaking away from each other, forming their own laws. Like, like I said, I'm stuck here for a reason. As that's the reason and it, you cannot just ca- have cricket in just two venues in australia it's very complicated there are contracts that have been signed by the, it's not like the ecb which controls the counties like yeah. there is there are contracts in place where they have to play in sydney they have to play in melbourne the only place that they erred was when they were in melbourne this whole thing of coming back to sydney because they owed sydney a favour because sydney was the only place in lockdown if you think about it at that point if india had just gone from uh, played the last third test in melbourne Everybody could have gone to Queensland. It, like Queensland had not shut its borders to Victoria. So it was just that because Sydney saved their summer, they just owed the New South Wales government a favour. And that they came. That's, that's really what it comes down to because the Queensland government had messed around with their schedule at the start. So I, you can't, I don't think I can just blame Cricket Australia because it's a very different setup. You can't compare the ECB and the Cricket Australia in this thing. This is like where is Arnab Goswami? This is a debate. Come on, <laughs> no one's shouting
0: over each you know shout you know
3: I, I totally agree. I mean, yeah, he's he's totally he's he's probably right because he's closer to the action. He knows how uh, the governments and the you know the, the the stadiums are allotted and the venues are allotted. That's that's all fine. And I'm staying saying stadiums again and again. It's actually stadia. Uh, the venues are allotted. That's all very fine. You know what? The problem here is we are in the middle of a pandemic. The regular rules do not apply. If the regular rules applied, the cricketers would not be cooped up in a hotel without room service or anything else, without housekeeping. The regular rules do not apply. And when your regular rules do not apply, then you can tell Brisbane, you know what? Show it. You can host the Ashes Test next year. We are not coming to you. I mean, you're saying Sydney has done them a favour. That's why you want to play the New Year's Test. And at the same breath, you're saying that Queensland hasn't done any favour, and still you want to go and host a test there. My problem here is why go to Brisbane at all when they're creating so many hurdles for you, and they're continuing to create so many hurdles for you. So again, it's it's a question of I don't know uh, convenience. Probably it's an it's a never-ending debate. We can only hope you know the test match goes on without any you know further problems. But I don't see how that's going to happen.
2: No, no, no. I'll just tell you one thing though. A lot of the reports coming out of India because they sorry out of Australia because a lot of them are being reported in India I'm not taking a pot shot at anybody here but there have been like heavily heavily exaggerated it's All because I'm here I know the ground reality so let's not read sure. too much into all the reports that are coming out from India because sitting in India you really don't know what the uh, the ground situation no I'm not talking to you Narola but generally like you know what the hotel condition is what the what's happening there and yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a lot, like, you know, there's a lot of gray. It's not black or white. I don't think you can blame anyone here. If anything, blame the bloody virus. I think that's what has messed everything up. And India had, a, like, you know, India's only, thing was, India's only thing about going to Brisbane was not going to Brisbane at all. The only thing was they thought that in Sydney, they would get a little more freedom, which is not what happened. And that's, you know, initially, they had no issue with going to Brisbane because Brisbane is anyway the last leg. They have to be there for like two days and then play the game and go off. The game might not even last, go beyond day three, who knows. So I don't think it was that. So uh, don't worry, Narula, we have another podcast to discuss this later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: we have a lot of time to wait to over there.
0: I'm going to bring the question back to race for a quick second um, because I actually think there were really interesting things that came out of that whole situation. Maybe not so much about the individuals in question, but what we can think about as a result of it. Um, I saw this absolutely fabulous thread from a Lebanese backgrounded Australian um, woman who talked about how inaccessible cricket is for a a great deal of minorities, particularly those who are not from a subcontinental background. And the reason that I loved that thread is because some of us have been thinking about those same issues for England or, or whatever other Western country you come from for a very, very long time. So it was amazing to read Australians grappling with this issue of, hang on a minute, We've just heard about the test cricket because it's on in the news. What is test cricket? What's cricket? Yes. This country loves it. I've never seen it. Where does it come from? And and I mean, I saw a lot of negative reactions to to this thread about how cricket makes itself somewhat inaccessible for immigrants of different backgrounds. But I just found it really fascinating, especially to your point, Bada, that that Australian society and culture is is changing widely not just about the cricket itself um but i found this really fascinating because it appears that we're starting to ask ourselves some questions that we maybe have not think about thought about before are you seeing that on the ground in australia it
2: definitely they've in fact even put uh, together a multicultural uh, what do you call it uh, a committee to like you know spread the sport more uh, find out why uh, a lot of south asians aren't being getting part of the uh, becoming a part of the mainstream because I umpire a lot in uh, Adelaide, as you know. And uh, premier cricket, you see, especially junior cricket, you'll see some Indian kids come like second generation kids, like kids were born here. Uh, I always get the whole second generation, third generation thing missed, so pardon me if mm-hmm. I got that wrong. But basically, kids were born here. But you go to premier cricket, like senior cricket, you don't see them, but they have these tournaments which I have umpired, which are on Sunday, like they're called. Uh, South Asian leagues and like, and it, yeah. it, it, and what Cricket Australia is right now trying to find out is are we keeping them out or are they staying out? I think the truth lies somewhere in between. And they are setting up lots of committees to make it more inclusive uh, and just make it more like it should look, it should represent the rest of the country. Australia right now is a booming multicultural country uh, with whether the, the, you look at the big cities or even when you go into the hinterland. And they want that to come through, or uh, that to be the face of Australian cricket. So it's changing for sure. Uh, And look, at least they're taking the first steps. It'll take a while, Uh, but you know, changes are afoot, is what I would say.
0: Excellent. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that you see a Josh Mansoor playing, you know, NRL or whatever, and you don't see. Lebanese immigrants or, or immigrants from lots of different backgrounds playing cricket so widely, but some of them are going to be tackled in schools and some of them are, are wider questions for society that is it a case of them being kept out, them not coming to us, or is it a mixture of those factors? What's going on here? Um, let's move on from some of the controversies that we've seen and maybe think about this next test that we have in front of us. How's, how do you guys feel walking into the next test? Injured, depleted, on the floor. Um, I, I have to play my... a,
3: a few deliveries. <laughs> <laughs> Bharat might have to play. You might have to jettison into Bristol have... and play for, play, play for yeah, team I'm in al- the al- I'm already
2: in my whites. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so don't be surprised, like, you know, when they... Uh, I-, I don't think they'll give me the new ball. I-, I-, I'm- I don't want the new ball. But first change when they say that... Uh, Next bowler in, and don't don't be surprised if a <laughs> long haired guy comes in. Chetan Narul has seen me bowl. Um, and who knows? Like, you know, the way uh, my luck is, I might end up with a 7 for at the GABA. And another pitch is conducive to your bowling. <laughs> it is, it is. I, I, I am a hit the wicket bowler, so it will assist me. A um, lot of talk Natrajan should play while. Like, you know, maybe Natrajan and Sundarajan
3: should play together. Who knows? So uh, yeah, I guess um, it. That was my that was my selection call, by the way. To pick two lefties. Oh, yes, it was. It <laughs> was. Yeah. yeah. The Prajan the, race. the Prajan Ansonderay. Yeah. It,
2: but if you're right. It's going to be interesting who they pick. Pick. It's literally coming on to who's left. Um, like Ashwin, we still don't know about his fitness. Uh, we'll find out tomorrow for sure with the test match on Friday. Um, Bhumra seems to be ruled out, which means. Whichever combination they use, the uh, India's bowling, fast bowling unit will have an experience of four tests at the max. Uh, And then if Ashwin doesn't play, then you have Kuldeep Yadav, who will be the senior bowler with six test matches, which will be really really interesting if that does happen. There's some talk of maybe Washington Sundar, who was held back just so that they could practice for Nathan Lyon getting a go. And who knows? And, and I didn't and they, even know
3: Washington Sundar was there until I made a boo on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> I you saw know? that. <laughs> I didn't even, yeah, I, I didn't even know he was there. Like, you know, is he still there? I mean, what, in Kartik Tyagi, is he still there? Maybe play him. You never know, right? Yeah, he so, How's yeah. yeah, the spot? Who replaces spot?
2: Um, I think that's the question. They have only two reserve batsmen, which is Mayank Agarwal and Prithvi shaw the openers. And Mayank Agarwal was also hit in the nets at the MCG, which was a Uh, I mean, it's something needs to be done with that MCG net. Do you guys know that I saved David Warner for uh, Australia this summer? So what happened is um, two days before the MCG test, uh, there was one net in particular where everyone was getting hit. Uh, And this is when Warner wasn't part of the bubble. He was just trying to regain his fitness. And uh, uh, Manas Labushin got hit and he said that I'm done. So they abandoned that net. So the Australian team leaves and then David Warner and Sean Abbott walk out. For their little net um and what do they do they walk into that net and then like i'm standing there watching them with mel farrell and i was like uh i think we need to tell him and she <laughs> said, yeah i'm like but yeah i don't you know if david bono who knows like you know they're, 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 to me. So, <laughs> it's yeah, it is so sh- i asked her to do it and she tried calling out he didn't listen she tried calling out again and he just looked up and uh, she started saying like you know that net is not safe and I said yeah some of your guys have been hit on the net and like yeah he, of course they don't trust us the team doctor was there and he asked the team doctor and the team doctor said yeah I think there was some issue so he moved to the other net so I said what
0: team doctor doing just waiting until someone asks him exactly somebody yeah hit,
2: so uh, sorry paid. India but like you know I I did it I got David Bonner. <laughs> <I saved laughs> that's him fine
3: <laughs> See, we, we, you're you know, working surprise, really hard for this visa. Cooking. Yeah, he's half Australian now, so we're not surprised. You don't have to say, sorry, India. I mean, we, we expect you to do that, right, Bharat? We expect you to do that. Exactly,
2: yeah, of
3: course probably. I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yesterday, somebody was asking us, like, you know what? Uh, there's no no broadcaster or journalist apart from SMG, no Indian voice on in Australia at the moment. And somebody said, no, Bharat is there. I was like, no, he's Australian now. So you don't... need <laughs>
0: welcome to the wonderful life of no one ever deciding where you're from i know nobody wants you yeah exactly
2: that's
0: (laughs) they're like no 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 she's not one of
2: us
0: (laughs) i think the kiwis are starting to accept me and then i i don't know criticize mitchell santner as a test bowler and then they get upset with me again
3: (laughs) i mean that's your pakistani streak isn't it i mean you can't really praise anyone Wholeheartedly, I mean, as far as cricketers are concerned, so if there always has to be some ask criticism me there.
0: About Kuldeep Yadav, then I will have some praise for him. If you want to ask me about Ashwin, I will. Uh, let's talk about Ashwin for a second. That man has probably received more criticism from Indians than I have seen any other cricketer get. What's going on? Has this has this solidified anything in people's minds? Has this answered some of his critics? He's been the. Man- I'll
3: tell you what what's happened him. with Ashwin. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what's happened with Ashwin is uh, I call it the social media phenomenon because what we do is what we throw up numbers in terms of the SENA countries, you know.
0: Yes, uh, you go yeah. to South
3: Africa, New Zealand, Australia. It's very easy to throw up those statistics. It's it's far easier than following a bowler's trajectory. I mean, you look at the older times when Anil Kumlay and Harbhajan Singh were bowling. They also struggled in their initial half to go to these foreign nations and pick up wickets that same thing has happened with ashwin it's just been amplified because of the social media uh, criticism that we have what nobody's witnessed is how he's bowled in these countries on the last two tours and he's been phenomenal every time i tweet about ashwin i make it a point that you know we need to put more respect to his name i mean you can't you, you don't take almost 400 wickets in record time if you're if you're not that For no good reason. bowler yeah yeah absolutely and if you look at the way he's bowled in these countries in the last cycle, 2018, when he was fit, or the way he's bowled in Australia this time around, he has been one of their main wicket takers. He's been one of their main bowlers, bowling from one end, one end throughout the day, like Nathan Lyon bowls. So uh, it's this thing with Indian cricket. I mean, we need to put more respect to Ashwin's name, which is not happening. And I think it's a case of, you'll realize what you have when you have lost it. Once Ashwin leaves, And you do not find a spinner for some time to run through batting lineups with six wicket hauls or five wicket hauls at home or bowl from one end throughout the day. No disrespect to Jareja; He's a fantastic bowler, but he can't do what Ashwin can do. He's not as intelligent as Ashwin is. He may be street smart, but intelligence and street smartness are totally two different things. Kuldeep Yadav doesn't have the experience, doesn't have the control, doesn't have the guile yet to bamboozle batsmen, let alone in India. I mean... Little, even lesser overseas so Ashwin once he leaves that's when we're going to realize what we had or that's when Indian cricket is going to realize
1: what we had in it I think Chetan you've and also got hearing. to understand that you've got Ashwin who has got test centuries and what it obviously it does having Ashwin and Jadeja is you've got basically two genuine all-rounders on the side I mean it's pretty incredible when you think about the makeup of the Indian side
3: I think uh, it's going to be really helpful in uh, in the next two tours we have in England and New uh, and South Africa, especially in England, because I can see the composition of this Indian lineup starting to change. I think Jadeja has really progressed as a batsman. And because of that, they might be tempted to play him as the all-rounder. I mean, there's no rule that you need to pay a pace bowling all-rounder. So if you have that extra all-rounder, uh, Rishabh Panth I'm not, I mean, he's probably the worst ke- wicketkeeper I've seen, uh, apart from myself when looking in the mirror. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do not know you were a keeper. <laughs> he's probably the worst wicketkeeper, worst professional wicketkeeper I've seen, but um, they might continue to take that risk in England and uh, play him, especially with his batting performance in the third test match. I think he's lengthened his test career. Uh, so he bats at six. Then you have Jareja at seven, and then Ashwin at eight. and You play three fast bowlers. So uh, this combination, because of Jareja's batting, I think this combination is now going to start going to change, and you know it might change in India as well.
1: Mate, just another key player for the Indian side over the last few Test matches has been um, Pujara, and there's been lots of talk on on Twitter about his um, his strike rate right throughout the. The test series. What what are your thoughts thoughts about that? I mean, I mean, we've got to remember the guy completely dominated Australia a few years ago. I mean, it just seems a little bit crazy that people are actually doubting this guy's ability and ability to, to, to build innings. And we've we've seen though he starts off slowly, that he's a guy that can build obviously big innings, but also increase that strike rate as he gets on. but do you want to take
3: that? Oh yeah, oh has.
2: This is the longest I have not spoken in a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, Pujara. See, but again, uh, the thing with Pujara is I think I blame it on the fact that we have stopped having day, like fifth days in test matches for a long time. Test matches are finishing in four days. I'll tell you personally, this was my first day five since the Manchester Test of the Ashes. So, it had I just it had become a ritual. Day five was my laundry day. So, it really messed up my schedule. So, I was very upset when I had to go to the ground yesterday. (laughs) I was like, oh, but that's not fair. Like, yeah, I mean, I I need my day off, or was it day before? Uh, And that's really how people... Look, what happens on Twitter, like I say, stays on Twitter. I don't really give it too much mileage, but uh, it's just people saying stuff with no accountability. But but a lot of experts have also spoken about Pujara's strike rate. But test matches are played over five days. It really doesn't matter what... Rate you play till the time you're doing a job for your country, till the time you are not holding up one end. And for and of course he's not like just playing against uh, a wall. He's there yeah. is an Australian bowling attack and Australia yeah. have had brilliant plans for him. What India have done to Steve Smith is what Australia have done to Chiteshir Pujara. It's not about the boundaries with these two. They've closed the tap on his singles. They've adjusted the field in a way that he doesn't get away with the singles. So it just feels like he's stuck even more. So India would yeah. not have reached where they did in the first innings without his half-century. And you saw, uh, like, yes, Rishabh Pan played the innings of the day, till Hanuma Vihari and A.R. ashwin did what they did, but Pujara's innings cannot be forgotten either. So I think the best thing about Pujara is he doesn't get affected by too much, and to an extent, us in the media should also not get too affected by all this talk. Uh, now it's become like a thing, right? It's just a popular view. Want to say something, clickbait, talk about Pujara's strike rate, talk about yeah. Ashwin not being successful overseas. And again, it's not just about numbers. At the end of the day, Ashwin has worked on his bowling. He's someone who's constantly working on his bowling. And it's all technique as well. He's brought in a lot of overspin in his bowling. He started bowling like Nathan Lyon in a, in a way. And he's out-bowled Nathan Lyon as a result. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, people criticizing people is just like, you know, it's like me saying you have a bad hair day and you saying me you having a bad day, which will not happen because that doesn't happen enough. Who are you, who are you what pointing never to? to? Who, are you pointing to?
3: <laughs> who, who are you pointing to with a bad hair day? That's, that's the yeah. question. Uh, At least
2: I'm only pointing at those people who are letting their hair show, not those who are keeping it covered.
0: (laughs) I am actually really upset with you because (laughs) I told you when we started this podcast that I didn't have time to dry my hair. And now all you have done (laughs) is call attention to the fact that your hair is perfect and I am lagging behind.
3: (laughs) That's what he does every time he comes on a video podcast. And you know what? I'll I'll just add to it. Uh, Again, it's the same social media phenomenon with Pujara as well. But also in terms of broadcasting, I mean, I don't want to take his name, but we had this commentator who was doing the Sony broadcast in India, and he comes on and says, "Oh, Pujara is batting slowly, slowly, slowly," and suddenly the graph, suddenly a graphic comes up where it shows that he himself has the slowest half century or hundred of all time with 500 deliveries, and he's like, "Oh, how can I comment on Pujara now?" So it's, 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 it was funny, but at the same time, it shows a lack of respect for what Pujara is doing, and I think. Uh, the, the basic clue to Pujara's batting, or the way it shapes up India's batting, is in the second innings when you have somebody like Rishabh Panth, who, who you know who keeps the score moving. India don't have Virat Kohli in the series. Ajinkya Rahane has transformed his batting; that he also starts slowly now. Earlier, Pujara, earlier Rahane used to start very quickly and then settle down. Now he settles down and then he starts counter-attacking. So, because India doesn't have Virat Kohli at number four. Pujara seems a little slower than he probably used to do earlier. I don't know, but it's, uh, let me, since we have said dickhead on the show, I can say it's bullshit. <laughs> the whole Pujara, Pujara intense yeah. strike rate debate is bullshit. Anybody who questions it probably needs to question their own understanding of test cricket, pure and simple.
0: I think that's actually a very brutal, but also fair assessment. Um, Adam has a theory that I don't think he's ever publicly said about India as a cricketing nation and the changes in the culture. And I'm going to remind him, and then I want him to take over explaining his theory. I call it the engineer versus tattoo theory. Or do you want to call it engineer versus man bun?
1: Wow. I mean, it just, you put me on the spot here. Well, I I kind of just feel like maybe under Lee's leadership, they went for like a different type of player. And that's why you kind of see, you know, you know these reports about that um, he wasn't a massive fan of Pujar on the side. that the, He's trying to mould a lot of the team in his kind of shadow a little bit instead of trying to create a team that's got a bit more of a balance. What, what, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, I've always believed in, like, you know, seeing India under Kohli in the first test and India under Rahane in test number two and three, you always get this feeling that when Virat Kohli is in charge, everyone around him is trying to play and live up to his expectations. When he's not around, it's like they're playing to live up to their own expectations. And you see that in the freedom with which they play. And it is not a pot shot at Virat Kohli. It's just how it is. He's not the first great player. So, what happens is when you are so far ahead in terms yeah. of maybe numbers or even skills or ability to not just in terms of cricketing ability, to just pull yourself up and really run on adrenaline. and um, so far ahead of everyone else, you start expecting your team to kind of play to that same level. It's not possible. I remember hearing a story from former West Indies opener, Charlie Davis, from the 1960s, uh, when Gary Sobers was captain. Look at me sounding like a cricket nuffy here, but Gary Sobers <laughs> apparently would win the toss, elect to bat, walk into the dressing room and just point at guys saying, okay, you're making a 70, you're making a 50, you're making an 80, I'm making a 100. And Charlie Davis was like, and Gary would go and make a 100, but we would be like, just because Gary said it, I don't think I can make 70 today. And it's just, and I think that's how cricket will be played throughout. When you have like a larger than life person in, in, as the leader, it will be different to when you have someone like Rahane as captain. And your logic makes a lot of sense. And that's, I just explained it in a simple terms. but I would like to use your theory in a coffee sometime if you let me use it.
0: I think it should be called engineer versus man buns because it's either man buns or tattoos or beards or something Uh, you know we're we've talked about the social media effect a little bit today and I think sometimes more so for people watching than the team itself you start to characterize a team you start to say oh well you know they're, they're these brave guys or they're these aggressive guys or whatever the case might be and then you failed to see how Pujara very successfully fits into that side. People have failed to see what an asset Ajinka Rahane could have been the last few years as well. So I think maybe more than the characteristics that Virat Kohli or Ravi Shastri or or anybody in the the BCCI in any structure – gives them it's maybe the people watching them we've already decided so this is the changing india this is the young india this is the india with the growth of the middle class and the growth of the tattoos or however you want to characterize it as i think that's our own perception but it means that we sit there and we say pajara just doesn't have intent and i have watched pajara up close and personal because he played english county cricket for a number of years and all i saw in those eyes, was the intent, the intent to keep batting. Um, it's something very impressive and something that most of us don't actually have the temperament to do. You say you're going to do it, and you say, oh, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay as long as I can. I'm going to play every ball on its merits. And you just see something flash in your zone. And you're like, yep. And then before you know it, you're back home. Pajara doesn't do that. There's nothing wrong with it. Just because him and Bunt and, uh, don't necessarily play in the same way, they don't play in the same way at all, doesn't mean that there isn't a place for both of them in the side.
3: I'm just going to add uh, here a bit uh, in terms of the intent. There's no particular definition of intent or aggression as such. It's just in our minds, really. I mean, you, uh, when it was announced, it not be three smacks. Oh, India's going to lose. India's going to lose. And I thought, and, and Shoaib Akhtar, no no disrespect to Tasneem, Shoaib Akhtar said, <laughs> you know, what make Rohit Sharma the captain of the Indian cricket team because Ajinkya Rahane can't do it. And I was like, Shoaib, have you even watched cricket? I mean, Ajinkya Rahane, just because he's quiet, doesn't mean he's not aggressive, the the steely demeanor that he has. And I think that's been on display in this series in Virat Kohli's absence. And I wonder if in 2021, Indian cricket is ready to have an honest discussion about captaincy. Because I'm not saying Virat Kohli doesn't cut it as captain for me anymore, but probably he does not because... I would like to see him unburdened with the captaincy thing when you have somebody like Rohani who can do this job and somebody like Rohit Sharma who can do this job, but also adding to Bharat's point, um, And this is why I say that he should be unburdened because we, we don't need to go to Gary Sobers to find an example. We have that example in Indian cricket already. Sachin Tendulkar, probably the most genius batsman of all time. He was a horrid, horrid captain. And that is perhaps the best example of how genius sees differently things than others perhaps i mean he can go and say okay you know what i'll select the team and this is this is what we're going to do and the indian team was really bad at that time and that is why we had so many bad string of results because the team was so bad and Tendulkar was so good the only difference now is that okay maybe virat is a bad captain but the team is as a group is quite good that despite bad captaincy or captaincy errors we are still having some good or decent results. India are making the semi-finals of the ODI World Cups and, uh, and the T20 World Cups, or the Champions Trophies, and they are winning bilateral's and they are winning Tests overseas. They are they are, they are almost unbeatable at home. So the group of players is good, despite bad captaincy. The you know it's giving us results, but again, like I said, I don't know if Indian cricket is ready to have the an honest discussion about captaincy
1: this year. Chidan, che- che- I, I kind of think that Rahaneke bring um, a certain kind of calm demeanour that Kane Williamson brings in the New Zealand side. And I, Obviously, when, yeah. you, when you're when looking at different captains, you obviously look at a lot of different skills that, that people bring to the table in terms of personality. And I think sometimes we look at that brash, confident kind of person, we assume they would be the best fit for captain. And I think like a New Zealand cricket, we went down this road when we had Ross Taylor versus Brendan McCullum. You know, two different kind of personalities, and we kind of went for the the brash, confident player captain, and he had great results for for New Zealand. But you know, since he left, we've we've got Kane Williamson, who's completely different. You know, he's a bit more of a you know a quieter, quieter fella. But he's still getting the results, and in, and in fact, he's taken New Zealand cricket to another level. So you don't necessarily need to have um that brash, confident player as your captain. You can lead in other ways.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree to that. I mean, uh, yeah. need you want to say something?
0: I was just going to say that we're one man down. Had to step out. He had a little emergency. So I just thought I'd flag that for everybody else before we start speaking to <laughs> yeah, him. Oh, yeah. Sorry, please continue.
2: Okay. Oh, no, I'm still here to say goodbye.
0: Okay. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we hope that we can do it we'll again. very, very soon. Oh, yeah.
2: And I'll see you soon. Cheers, Adam. And I hope Thanks you your get party. your next. And I still haven't seen you two in the same frame, so I don't believe you live together.
0: <laughs> what we need is like a little fabulous hair toss before you leave, please.
2: Ah, uh, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to... Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you asshole.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> dickhead. Since you're Australian now. Dickhead,
2: don't forget. All right, see you. Bye. Bye.
3: Thank you. Yeah, uh, just to continue from that... Um, yeah, I agree with that uh, in the sense that, you know, all captains are a bit different in terms of their personalities and the captain's personality is what's imprinted on uh, on the team. And in fact, not just on the team, but also on the co- coaching staff. Because... Uh, I believe Ravi Shastri is a totally different personality when Virat Kohli is around and the way they work together and the way they make decisions together. And he's a totally different personality when Ajinkya Rahane is leading the side or Rohit Sharma is leading the ODI or T20 side. So it's, it, it's, it's not a clash of personalities. It's an amalgamation of personalities really mm-hmm. in terms of how. it's run. Um, again, again, my, my basic point is, I'm not saying that Virat is a bad captain. Maybe he's, not that great a captain, you know, not, not, don't want to vilify him or don't want to anger yeah. his fans. Really. But he's not the best captain. Um, India is getting results, not because of him, but in spite of his captaincy. Yeah. Like, let me just say that. But again, I don't know if Indian cricket is ready to have that sort of a conversation this year. And that's that's my big problem because we have ready-made replacements. Why not just unburden him, unshackle him and let him just go on scoring runs? The problem is he's scoring runs despite being captain. So that's not a problem at the moment. But again, could we have better results? Probably. I don't know.
0: I, I think another thing that we can talk about is the fact that I don't know if this is a problem of Indian cricket or cricket's understanding holistically. We saw Tim Payne instituted as a quote unquote temporary captain when Cricket Australia suffered some issues. He probably would have found no selection on the basis of of batting form or keeping form. So, so he was never there as a player. He has improved since then. He's definitely stepped into the role as a legitimate selection, but he was there as a captain. So obviously with someone like Virat Kohli or Kane Williamson, you think, oh yeah, my best batsman, my match winner, you know, this has to be the natural captain. Um, Cricket is very rapidly developing. We were old fashioned and stuck in the same place for a very long time, but we've suddenly found ourselves having access to coaching manuals and new theories of education and new you know human management sciences theories or whatever the case might be man managers are important strategists are important the fact that my best player has a little captaincy star on his chest irrelevant to me if that makes my best player not score runs then detrimental to me so i think that this is a thing that we holistically don't think about Joe Root's captain in England, and uh, well, at least for some formats. A- a- and I don't know if that's the best decision. Sorry,
3: He shouldn't. You shouldn't be captain. E-
0: exactly. I-, I don't know if that. Well, I know that that's not a good decision, or at least it's not yeah. a good decision it's in my horrible opinion. Horrible yeah. captain. Yeah,
3: Joe Root as captain is a horrible call. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but and great batsman, and we very much need him um, for that batting order. So a very, very important individual. Pakistan still doesn't know what it's doing with the concept of captaincy. Babar azam has been just been given the test uh, captaincy. Of course, he hasn't actually captained yet because he had injuries. And in my estimation, and this is no – these are not insults or pot shots to a player like you said. They have nothing to do with their capacity to play – their, you know, honesty or integrity or anything like this. Some people are leaders and they're capable of taking other people with them. And some people are not. And again, not an insult to them. I have never seen in the time that I've worked a- around Bab Azam or worked with Bab I have never seen a single reason why I would make that man captain. Other than the fact that he is what, Pakistan's batting savior? Mohammed Rizwan, who had the temporary captaincy when when um, Bab Razum... Wasn't fit for for these test matches in New Zealand. Natural natural personality that it probably makes sense for. He very much faltered in the second test as well. Um, it's a job that's really difficult to do. I think, like you said, Virat Kohli has probably he's been doing it for long enough, and the team around him are good enough that those results aren't suffering. They're very strong away, which in my opinion is the hallmark of a competitive test side. It's all great to win at home, but we in theory all should be winning at home unless we're playing a team that is so much significantly better than us that uh, it makes it difficult to do so. But if you're winning in tours away, if you are you know, winning matches in Australia, drawing matches at the SCG, you know, these type of feats, then I think those are results that speak for themselves. Could India be doing a better job? Well, I think the question is that will any of us catch on to the concept of captain? I think New Zealand is a very unique situation because here their best batsman just so happens to be their best man manager. Somebody that really works as a uniting force in that dressing room and everybody looks up to and people don't compete with. Nobody has some weird jealousy with Kane Williamson and his name being, you know, number one on the batting charts or him being the most often talked about player in this country. It just works for whatever reason. And in every other country, we just want it to just work.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think um, when you look at the concept of man management, I'm not sure it's caught up in the Indian and Pakistani circles. To be very honest, because we've had this, uh, we have this tendency of naming the best player as our captain, and I think that's what's happened with Virat, and that's also what's happened with Babar Azam. Uh, I don't know much about the background of Babar Azam in terms of what he did as an under-19 player, and I'm, I beg your pardon for that. But with Virat Kohli, there's also this added factor that he won the Under-19 World Cup and people want him to replicate that, which is a dicey situation because victory at the Under-19 level is not because of strategy. It's more a matter of coincidence and who performs well on the day. More often than not, at Under-19 level, it's about individual brilliance. And that's why we don't see the entire Under-19 team come up. We see those particular one or two players come up. We don't see the entire lot come up. It's not like the under-19 team becomes a senior team. No, two or three players become, become the same players. So that's a flawed thinking in terms of why Virat Kohli became captain. The other thing is that he's also been captain for Royal Challengers Bangalore. And this is where your point about man management becomes really, really relevant. Because apart from MS Dhoni, I'd, and not even MS thoni has that sort of control because you have N Srinivasan who's in charge of CSK. Maybe they have, maybe it could be equal. I don't know. Nobody, and I mean, nobody has had the command or the control or, you know, the nay saying or the yay saying power like Virat Kohli does at RCB since he became captain, since he became the 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 end all and be all at RCB. And what do they have to show for it? One final. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One that's where, that's where man management comes in. I'm not saying Rohit Sharma has done whatever he's done all by himself. I'm not saying that yeah. MS Dhoni's done or Gautam Gambhir whoever's won IPL they've done it by themselves. No, the fact is that you need the right ingredients and you need the right leaders and you need the right leaders to be to allow to allow the support staff and allow the ingredients to do the right job. And perhaps that mix has not been achieved at RCB. And that is my problem with the man management bit, and my problem with the other theory is that it's not really reached Indian cricket, because or for, the, for that matter, Pakistan cricket, because it's very easy to make Kohli captain, it's very easy to make Barbara Azam captain.
0: It's some of it's cultural, right? Because in, in the subcontinental mm-hmm. culture, if you give me an honor... Yes, it's true. Even in even England, England,
3: first thought, right. Yeah, even in England, when you look at Joe Root, their first thought is to make their best player captain. It's not really. Oh,
0: even, if, even in
3: Australia, it's even in Australia they made Steve Smith captain unless uh, until they realize that they need Tim Payne to step in. Uh, will Steve Smith become captain ever again? I don't know, but it could be Pat Cummins. But right now, Pat Cummins is their best cricketer. No disrespect to Steve Smith; he's a, he's a t- tremendous batsman. But Pat Cummins is their best cricketer. So again, you're going towards that. that understanding that your best cricketer should be your captain. I think that's pretty natural in cricket. But again, somebody like a Joe Root, he shouldn't be captain. I think he should just, more than Virat Kohli, he needs to be unburdened from captaincy and just, you know, go and just bat. And maybe somebody like like Ben Stokes, who is so natural in terms of whatever he does, he should be England captain across all formats. Or even Joss Butler for that matter, because these two are very mercurial players in whatever they do. Ben Stokes, I would love to see Ben Stokes become test captain for England.
0: I've been saying this, sorry, I've been saying the Stokes thing for a few number of years now. Maybe maybe three years, even before his run of form started, because he just seemed always natural. Watching him in those situations, it just seemed very natural. And the response from other English fans is usually oh let him keep winning matches for us so we have some level of understanding that your players that do these amazing things should be left unburdened but at the same time we want to burden those who we think can take it i i do think that some of the cultural elements that add into this is this concept of um is it um respect integrity how do you translate is it pride i guess um if you hand me a, an honor whether it's to make me captain or give me whatever position, and then you take it away from me. what does that mean? Does that mean that I've been shamed? Does that mean that I no longer have the status that I used to? it's It's all of that concept that I think comes in because if you discuss the concept of changing someone like a Kohli, I've seen the responses on Twitter, and it's like, guys, it's not a personal it's not a personal question. It's just who might be a better strategist. Where could India, if your interest is India winning matches, then my question is, where could India win more matches, potentially? But, um, but we do see it as a, as a very personal take on things. So, moving away from the question of, of Virat Kohli and captaincy and what the hell India is going to do. If Ajinka Rahane was to win a series in Australia, you guys would have your hands tied. I have no idea how you could react to that.
3: Well, I mean Virat Kohli did lead India to victory in two thousand eighteen, so it's come it's, on uh, without
0: without Smith and Warner. How does it without feel Smith, by the well, way? And time, Last
3: time. Time, Rahane is doing and Rahane is doing it without uh, Kohli, Ishanth, Shami, exactly. with Boom without bumra and Ashwin and I don't know who's left who's who's left. Like I said, Harat might have to just go and play a bit. Um like I said, I'm I don't wanna go deep into this than we've already done so because it's Probably would get it repetitive, but irrespective of what happens in the final test, I think Rahane has shown that he has what it takes to be the full-time test captain and Rohit has already shown what it, that he has what it takes to be full-time ODI and T20 captain. But again, my question here is, is Indian cricket ready to have an honest discussion about captaincy in 2021? I have my doubts. I really have my doubts.
0: Okay, well, thank you for that. Looking forward to the World Test Championship. How do you feel about India's chances?
3: Well, well, it comes down to the England series, really, because I just, um, yesterday only I did the calculations. I mean, if they win in Brisbane, they need to beat England 2-0. If they draw in Brisbane, they need to beat England 3-0. And if they lose in Brisbane, they need to beat England 4-0, which will probably be tougher considering all the injuries they're having. I think New Zealand have one hand on you know, one hand on the door, of or, or the Lord. door at Lords. I don't. I don't yeah. know where the final is going to be. I'm assuming it's Lords. It is. Um, yeah. I think you have. Yeah. I mean, no. Uh, there were there were news. There was news that AECB might not be that interested. They might want to host a test against Ireland or some ODI and T20s, which would help them earn revenue from Sky Cricket, as opposed to not earning too much revenue from. Uh, you know, from a test match where England are not participating. So it's, it's, it's really up in the air. Uh, I hope it's Lords because, you know, finally you have a crowning moment test format and yeah. which crown better than Lords to host it really. So I really hope it's at Lords. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, let, let's assume it's at Lords. So I think, uh, New Zealand have one hand on that uh, door handle. Um, Australia, I think it's a little surprising. It depends on the Brisbane test because if they play those three tests against South Africa, um, I don't know which way that would go. Uh, Their batting is really weak. South Africa have this element to surprise, although at this moment, South Africa are not really a good test side. Um, But again, I'm I'm calculating from an Indian perspective. So for India, it's very simple. You have to beat England either 2-0, 3-0 or 4-0 depending on the result of the Brisbane test. Perfect.
0: (laughs) Sounds easy, doesn't it? Yeah. It sounds yeah. really easy when you put
3: it like that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds simple, but I think, I think New Zealand are not, I, I don't think New Zealand are playing any more tests. I think New Zealand They're are done. They're,
0: done. They're done now for yeah.
3: the summer. They're yeah. done. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. it's just about whether India can keep ahead of New Zealand in terms of the 70% 70 per, 70 per, percentage point wins. And it's really simple. They have five test matches. They need to win three of those and uh, draw two of those. So, if they win three, then draw two. So that's the sort of equation, really. So it's a lot depends on Brisbane, what they need to do against England. It's not going to be easy because England are no mugs, especially with the pink ball test. If there was no pink ball yeah. test, I would be very confident of India winning 4-0. And I'm not saying that India are very bad at pink ball tests because of 36 all out. No, because it's just the pink ball uh, brings pacers into the game. Yeah. Uh, it's just an added element. And England pacers are really good. It's under the lights. Anderson, yeah. Braun... Chris Wokes and Oprah Archer hand them the pink ball and any decent batting side would struggle against them. So pink ball, keep it away. So 3-0 if you draw in Brisbane, keeping the pink ball away. It's it's very simple, really.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for that incredibly long but insightful conversation. We lost a man during this video podcast, (laughs) but we kept going anyway.
3: Yeah, absolute pleasure. It's always good to cricket and it's been so long since uh um, you know we've all sat and had a good conversation about cricket so yeah it, it, it was it was a pleasure and congratulations to both of you
0: oh um, thank you <laughs> Thanks <very> much, <laughs> thank you for being with us chetan and thank you for watching and join us next time for more from the wonderful world of cricket Bye bye perfect